On front page with me this morning, veteran journalist Parker and Krishnan, formerly of The Star and Al Jazeera, and Sumisha Naidu, formerly of Channel News Asia. Good morning, folks. Good, Good morning. morning Good morning. Now, the first uh, headline we're going to take a look at um, is with regards to the overcrowding of prisons in Selangor and Kuala Lumpur. Apparently, the number of inmates um, have exceeded the capacity uh, of 8,200 by 3,700. This is according to the Selangor and Federal Territory Kuala Lumpur Prisons Director Abdul Qadir Rais. He said currently the Sungai Buloh Prison, Kajang Prison, Kajang Women's Prison and Puncha Alam Correction Centre are housing 11,900 inmates and um, a total of 2,400 prison enforcement personnel are being deployed to control the prisoners and to maintain order in the prisons. Um, this is a little bit alarming, isn't it? What measures are being taken to overcome overcrowding? Parkrin? Uh, firstly, I don't think it's only a problem in uh, KL and Slango. I understand it's a nationwide problem from what I've heard. Uh, but the, the most serious problem here is most of the prisoners, uh, 50% of them are drug, more than 50% are serving for drug-related offences, mm-hmm. which means it could be a short-term uh, imprisonment Stint, yeah. yeah, because of the weight issue. They're considered as traffickers even if they are consumers. So apparently, that is causing the government a huge problem. You have 60, uh, 33,000 pres- drug-related offenders, and they spend like 40 ringgit a day on each of them, which means it works out to, what, 520 million a year? Wow. That's huge. So they should tackle that problem first. Because it's not about... Uh, uh, you can't rehabilitate people there with this kind of uh, uh, size. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think... Community service should be introduced, but it should be limited to certain offences, short-term offences or, or short-term imprisonment. Uh, they should come up with some re-entry programs, which I think uh, countries abroad are doing. Yes. And uh, I think the problem in Malaysia is also the acceptance level of the society when it comes to ex-convicts. Mm-hmm. So these are issues that need to tackle. All Education. Right. Yeah. Your thoughts, Sumisha? Well, I mean, I think it's interesting that... Uh, The emphasis now seems to be going to more towards rehabilitation and offering um, alternatives such as community service, and that's that's what at least has been reported. Um, I wonder how much of um, you know these. We've been hearing a lot about pre- prison reform, or at least announcements being made uh, to that effect. Overcrowding. Um, that I mean, you could say there's been apathy in the Malaysian public really about prison yeah. reform it hasn't really been on the top of our agendas but you know a lot of leaders in this new government have been in prison at some point or the other right. so they have <laughs> very unique <laughs> insights into this situation yeah. so um i mean i mean i don't know how much how much of that is actually driving this but you would think that it would actually be a priority given They might have some experience. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a different perspective. I've never actually thought of that. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, when we come back, we'll take a look at trouble in Johor Bersatu. That is up next here on Front Page on Light. And on front page with me this morning, Sumisha Naidu and Parkerin Krishnan. Trouble is brewing in Johor Party Pribumi Bursatu Malaysia with internal rebellion against newly appointed chairman Mazlan Bujang. It's learned a group of Bursatu division leaders have sent a memorandum to party chairman to Dr. Mother Muhammad calling for him to be replaced. Now, Mazlan was not invited to Johor ruler Sultan Ibrahim Ibni Almarhum Sultan Iskandar's Hari Raya gathering with other Bursatu leaders at Istana Pasir Pelangi on Monday. Monday, and um, this seems to be um, 
yeah, a bit troublesome, right? Um, Parky, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it seems to be a bit troublesome, but it also seems to be what happened during Barisan National. Uh, when it comes to heads of the state, Menteri Bazaar's chief ministers, uh, there's always a problem with the, the factionalism in the party. Yeah. Uh, in this case, okay, Ma- Mazlan was actually a state ex-co member in the previous government, sorry, in the previous, under the previous MB, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he then was replaced after the reshuffle when the new MB was appointed. Okay, the new Menteri Bazaar actually was appointed with the consent uh, of the the state ruler, the sultan, after consultation with the Bersatu president, Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this appears to be uh, uh, one appointed by Tan Sri Muhyiddin. And Mazlan appears to be appointed by Dr. Mahathir. Right. So it looks like there is, there is an issue within the party. And this is what happens uh, most of the time in the past. Um, uh, Sumisha, what can, I suppose, uh, the party leadership do to get everyone to work together and be on the same page? I think that's a challenge for literally every political party in Malaysia. But, I mean, I think in Johor, there is added um, attention and focus there. I mean, one, of course, because of the strong presence of the royal family and how uh, that plays with politics. But also because, um, you know, I mean, covering G. You know, the last two general elections, Johor has always been uh, considered the hub of Barisan National, the the strongest uh, Amno's um, fortress, so to speak. And when when Pakatan Harapan won Johor for in uh, the last election, um, you know, it was seen to be very symbolic. So unity and having strength among um, the Dr. Mahathir's party that is very important or seen to be important so that they can ensure that they can retain the state the next time around. Uh, so I think that's a bit of context as to why, uh, you know, when these things happen, especially in Johor, um, there's a lot of attention on it because there's a lot of stake. It's very symbolic here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably because of the, uh, Dr. Mahathir's attempt to to rein in the royalty. Yes. Mm. So that's also uh, an element here that's playing a, a huge role. Here. Okay, well, we'll have to see how this uh, develops within the party. Now, coming up, Hong Kong extradition protests leave the city in shock. We'll take a look at that headline next here on Light. On front page, with me this morning, Parker and Krishnan, veteran journalist formerly of The Star and Al Jazeera, and Sumisha Naidu, journalist um, uh, formerly also of Channel News Asia and Malaysia Kini. Let's still... Let's take a look at what's happening over in Hong Kong. Authorities have shut some government offices in Hong Kong's financial district after the worst violence of the city has seen in decades. This is this has been brought on by the extradition protests. It's leaving the city in shock. Can you tell us, um, Sumisha, what is actually going on in Hong Kong and why are changes to Hong Kong's extradition law causing a lot of protests? Well, the second reading of this uh, bill that would allow for extradition of um, uh, criminals accused of uh, certain crimes such as uh, rape and so on um, to China, that's what's actually causing these protests. The second reading was originally scheduled for Wednesday. It's now been postponed um, indefinitely. We do not know when it's been scheduled. And the reason, of course, why this has prompted so much outrage in Hong Kong is, of course, given its history with uh, China, it's always been resisting anything that is seen to um, impose more 
control or uh, co- impose more of China's control over Hong Kong. They've always valued a sense of independence um, from China. But, you know, uh, Hong Kong's uh, leader, Carrie Lam, she said that, that this is necessary so to ensure that Hong Kong doesn't become a safe haven for um, people trying to flee um, legal action in China and, and legitimately so. And she's saying that there will be safeguards in place to in- ensure human rights. But um, you know, Hong Kong's anti-China sentiment, so to speak, is so strong. Yes, definitely. And, uh, you know, like uh, this movement is really being driven by young people as well. It's not the first protest of, these nature, of this nature we've seen in Hong Kong. Thousands of people on the street. And what's interesting is, um, you know, they think these are the mo- most violent, uh, most um, protests in recent uh, history. Um, but also, I think this imagery of... Uh, water cannons, tear gas, all that, that, you know, in terms of a Malaysian connection, a lot of Malaysians are seeing this and remarking on, hey, this looks a bit like what the birthday protests were like, but yeah. this is on a much larger scale. Definitely. Your thoughts, Parker? Uh, yeah, well, all the safeguards are there, but I believe that the uh, problem here is the trust deficit mm. uh, with the people, with, with the Chinese government. Um, they have a lot of dissidents who are out of the country and were probably hanging around in Hong Kong, Macau and yeah. uh, Taiwan. So I believe no one trusts them, and uh, even if you trust them, they will have the might. They, the, their might will bear down upon these countries mm-hmm. to to extradite people whom they want. Well, I I, 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 I believe I, I heard I read the words abduction even yeah mm. uh, in these reports that they, they can actually just swoop down and yeah yeah there was the guy that abduct- bookseller right the case of the uh, the famous case of the bookseller mm. who was abducted and who is in Hong Kong now and he says he will be given a fair trial. It's similar to what Mahathir is saying about Dr. Zakir Naik. He says Zakir Naik thinks he won't get a fair trial if he's extradited. So there is some element of similarity here. Or Jolo for the matter. Jolo mm. says that he won't get a fair trial here. So what happens if everyone says this? What's going to happen to the real criminals who will be, you know, causing a lot of problems yeah, in these countries? You know? Being riding around scot-free. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I mean, the relationship with China and the trust deficit yeah. is definitely relevant also because it's not like Hong Kong does not have extradition agreements with other nations. It does. But it's this particular um, arrangement or proposed arrangement that is yeah. getting the most resistance. Right. But I think what the, the point about the mainly youth uh, uprising, that, that's crucial, I think. That's what's happening the world over. Mm-hmm. The changes are being yeah. brought about yeah. All right, wonderful. Go youth. (laughs) Now, coming up, this was the biggest news that was trending all day yesterday overnight (laughs) is Dr. Lee Chong-Wei retiring. We'll be discussing that next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, Sumisha Naidu and Parkerin Krishnan and former world number one Lee Chong-Wei has announced his retirement from professional badminton after an illustrious 19-year career. This is big news. Everyone's sad. He was himself sad. It feels like an end of an era. What are your fondest memories of Chong-Wei, um, Parkerin? To me, I come from a generation where we had seen several former greats, uh, unlike Sumisha. Yeah. <laughs> Sumisha's only known Lee Chong Wei, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I had Tane Kwang in my memory. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a great player. And then we had Punch Gunalan, the late Punch Gunalan. Oh, yes. Yeah, we had them. And then we had the Sidet brothers. Mm-hmm. But Lee Chong Wei was an exception to me because I'm a very strong follower of, of, follower of badminton. And uh, I, I became his fan because of his discipline. I understand his training discipline is fantastic. Uh, no one can like take him away from anything. I have I have a group of friends 
who actually meet him on a weekly basis to have a chat. So he comes in at about 7.30 and he leaves at 8. No alcohol, mm -hmm. no cigarette. He leaves at, sorry, he leaves at 10 mm -hmm. to be in time uh, for his morning training at 5. Right. And, and no one can make him stay back. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, what I heard about him and I know that his discipline is the one that has taken him this far. Now, uh, what I remember about him most is the way he goes up to his opponent after beating him mm -hmm. over the net. He pushes the net down, grabs him and looks into his face and tells him, you played a good game, you played a good game. You know, uh, that is something. And, and what he does next is he takes the Malaysian uh, flag, uh, the crest, on mm -hmm. his, and he kisses it. And yeah. he waves to the crowd. Aww. And then he rushes up rushes up to, I remember Miss Boone as his coach, uh, hugs him. I mean, that brings a kind of goose pimples, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes me uh, think that he's uniting Malaysia, the Chinese and the Malay, hugging yeah. with sweat and all. And, and I think <laughs> that was, uh, th these are things I remember about him. And so when... Uh, uh, when he gave his press conference yesterday, I did think you cry? Know, he he just broke down. Yeah. He was ho he was stoic, uh, trying to be stoic, but finally he broke down. When yeah. he said uh, he thanked the Malaysians, which means a lot to him actually, mm -hmm. the way uh, people looked up upon him. So it was sad, yeah. and I think people like Lee Chong Wei are born once in 50 years. Mm. So we've got to wait for the next 50 years to get <laughs> Lee Chong Wei right. in Malaysia. Which is kind of sad for Malaysia <laughs> yeah. Badminton, but we'll get to that. Smisha, what are your fondest memories? I mean, see, unlike Praki, I actually don't, I'm not a sports person. I never paid much attention to any particular sport, but Lee Chong Wei was always the exception. Uh, when I was in Australia studying um, during the Olympics, all the Malaysians would get together and watch, uh, you know, watch him in the finals. Um, and, uh, you know, I covered um, the viewing parties here in 2016 when he was also um, in the Olympics finals and the amount of people who came oh, yeah. out. Um, I was at a mama stall uh, you know, where one of the matches as well and the entire, um, you know, the entire mama stall erupted in cheers. You know, you'll never forget the excitement, the ability he had to bring people together. Mm -hmm. Um And, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but he's actually more shy in person yeah. than he you think. Is. And yeah. yeah, especially with media. Uh, so, you know, it's very interesting to have seen this, you know, this guy who's such a force out there. And then you actually meet him in person. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a bit different. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you remember the matches with Lindan? Yeah. He's mm -hmm. Arch Nemesis. Yeah. Oh, my God. He, the 2012 Olympics final. I remember vividly, vividly, very vividly about how they fought point for point mm. and he even fell down or dived a few times to retrieve shots. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That was match of the That's century. Like ballet, me, yeah. right? Right. What is the outlook for the future of Malaysian badminton? Your thoughts since, you know, between the three of us, <laughs> you're, you're the most sports-minded person here. Like, like I said, I like, like I said, mm. uh, there have been a few uh, people who came up after him but for some reason they don't have it. Mm, uh, they right. don't have the stuff like what Lee Chong Wei has because what I heard uh, Lee Chong Wei was, was carrying a badminton record from his primary school days mm -hmm. every day with the school bag there'll be a badminton record with him and he goes back and he plays so I don't think any Malaysian will have the discipline right now wow. and uh, there must be some programs in place uh, to, to tap people like what they have yeah. abroad like Indonesia and all that, yeah. I think that's a bit lacking at the moment yeah. it's not just I mean because you know there won't be another Lee Chong Wei there won't be another Nicole David she also yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know re retired yeah. um, this year and you the question comes to mind right. will there ever be the, anyone who uh, 
represents Malaysia in the sporting world the way these two yeah. have, and both they of them to be the same generation. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah right. and both of them have stepped down this year. All so. right, okay. It looks well, bleak. it looks bleak, <laughs> but hopefully we will be uh, proven wrong, and I'm sure yeah. there's a there's a little Lee Chong Wei <laughs> out there somewhere <laughs> waiting to be discovered. Well, coming up, this is also a news uh, piece of news that's been trending: gutter politics and the videos. I've been marking a sad day for Malaysia. We'll take a look at that next here on Light. On front page with me this morning is Sumisha Naidu um, and uh, Parker and Krishnan. Of course, uh, we have been um, privy, I guess, the, the public has been privy to two videos so far of two men, one who is purportedly a minister. It marks a sad day for Malaysia, says Permatang Pau MP Nurul Iza. The sordidness of gutter politics rears its ugly head again. And we have to empathize with her. You know, she was an, an indirect victim of right. one uh, scan- same similar scandal, many, many years ago. I guess, you know, gutter politics, does it have a role in politics at all? Your thoughts, Sumi? Uh, well, it seems to constantly be rearing its head in Malaysian politics. As you said, um, history repeating itself, uh, doctored photos or allegedly doctored photos, videos, um, all these type of things of a sexual nature or of a... Uh, offensive nature allegedly offensive nature those things have been like part of the course in Malaysian mm-hmm. politics not just in Malaysia though I mean you can say in even in the United States and stuff like this that's always come to the fore in in Malaysia I suppose the setting is different because uh, we are a majority Muslim country uh, we have more traditional Asian values so to speak conservatism is uh, supposedly uh, what most people here subscribe to and mm-hmm. so when it comes to politics uh, these things come into play. Uh, in this situation, uh, the minister, the, le- the, the, the legend minister involved, Azmin Ali, he's come out and denied uh, any involvement in this. He's slammed this as gutter politics. He said this this is slander. But the person accusing him of being in the video with him, which is uh, a senior private secretary to the one of the deputy ministers, he says um, that um, this is reflective of... Uh, the minister's alleged character and that's why this is relevant that right and how the government is dealing with the situation is reflective of uh, the government as a whole so that's the question how much does this matter is it really a reflection of uh, someone's capabilities what they do behind mm-hmm. closed, closed doors. doors yes um uh, parker in your thoughts uh, I, th- I think this is like uh, welcome to new Malaysia with old mud paints. <laughs> you know. I mean, these are, you have churned up a lot of mud, and uh, if, if you remember when it happened several decades ago, and then again probably about twelve years ago, uh, we all said that it was gutter politics. Everybody condemned it, and we thought it's not going to happen, but it came back. Now there could be a, a, a reason here because this. Politicians who have been accused of such things remain as politicians. Mm. They do not seem to be yeah. to be ex. They do not seem to be. I'm not saying what they did was wrong because that's uh, another moral issue that we yeah. we are not uh, we should not discuss. Uh, 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 what Malaysians are discussing now is whether the 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 clip is authentic, real, or was it fake, doctored, mm-hmm. and, and no one is discussing the manner in which the video clip clip was used, uh, exposed by someone who actually switched political parties, who shamelessly came out and said, yes, it was me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a big issue here. Why would he do that? I mean, he can't, he surely can't be alone in this whole issue. Yeah. It, it is a plan premeditated, 
expose that that was meant to kill someone politically and uh, if you ask me it's got a place it will come back but in this context i must really uh, say kyrie uh, yeah there's a silver lining because everyone condemned it uh, yeah. including from the opposition everyone says there's no place for this kind of politics in malaysia and uh, what kyrie said actually sticks out uh, maybe i should say it he said such while felt thrive when it was given attention he says politics is a tough profession some days is dirty some days is downright filthy today it stinks to the high heaven mm-hmm. i thought it's well said well put and yeah. uh, and i hope that uh, you know this won't happen but i tell you it will happen again on front page with me this morning sumisha naidu formerly of channel news asia and parkran krishnan formerly of the star and al jazeera